You're listening to Nightlight. Yes, you're listening to Nightlight. Nice to be back with you for another inspiring program. Well, waiting to talk to us over Skype from his home in Ontario, Canada, is Alan Trenholm. He's author of Journey to Tricon, My Trip to Heaven and Back, and also Journey to Gragau, My Trip to Hell and Back. Well, I had the privilege of recording both those books as audiobooks, and I've also just recently recorded Alan's third book entitled youth camp. We have a guest tonight on Nightlight. And I'll be asking Alan about his latest book. But first, I'll read you the first chapter so you can at least have a little idea of what he'll be talking about. And I hope it will also whet your appetite to read the whole book, which will be available both in audiobook and PDF version for all Nightlight listeners. But let's warm up with a song. This is an oldie from an album which Pethuel just sent me called Heaven Bound, produced way back in the 80s. This song is called There's Gonna Be a Change. It's great to hear it again. And the lyrics are also quite relevant to the topic of today's program.
nice to hear that song again after so many years. I'd actually forgotten it existed. Anyway, that was Sam Halbert, also recognized the voice of Eli Ferguson, which really brings back memories, as Eli was a fellow missionary with me in India way back in 1976, helped me to record the jingles for my first ever radio program broadcast over the Indian subcontinent from Sri Lanka and called Music with Meaning. And come to think of it, Eli was also the first ever live studio guest I ever had on my program. I lost contact with him many, many years ago. Hope he's still writing songs as he wrote some really good ones. I think he probably wrote that one. There's going to be a change as certainly seems like his style as I remember. All right, back to the topic at hand. We're going to speak to Alan Trenholm who'll be introducing his latest book, Youth Camp. But before we do that, let me read you one of the shorter chapters so you can get a feel for the book. This is chapter 11, titled Boots. Nightlight, keeping you in tune with the times. Living under a totalitarian government, like everything else, was something you sort of got used to and accepted while trying to find a way to live that didn't highlight your existence. You gradually sunk into a self-erasing mode of living a life of silence and invisibility, letting the powers that be take control of everything and everyone else. You at last became trapped inside yourself by the encroaching forces surrounding you. Occasionally, you sent out feelers to test the strength and completeness of the invisible force that enclosed you. I had tested every square inch of the blanket that covered me and taken advantage of every weakness I could find in the fabric. But you had to probe its surface with caution, not knowing what you might do that would trigger an attack. I must have crossed the line somewhere to cause them to zero in on me. At about two or three o'clock in the morning, I heard the clomping of heavy boots in the hallway outside my door. I heard Edna's voice telling someone where to find me, followed by a heavy knocking and then a crash as my door was smashed down. Black figures dressed in full military gear swarmed in like cockroaches. They instantly began to search every nook and corner of my room as if they knew that I was hiding a Bible. They soon came up with it from its hiding place in the can on the shelf. We have something here, sir. Obviously, subversive literature, was the commander's curt response. This man is probably the leader of the Omega clan that we've been looking for. True, I was guilty of meeting with people who wanted to know more about the Bible. I had received a serious warning after one of our garbage picker meetings that someone would report me. A thin man, who claimed to have been a former preacher, had disrupted the meeting, saying that I was way off in my teaching about the early church. In the back of my Bible, I kept notes of things I wanted to cover in future meetings, but I wrote them in shorthand, something that I had learned in the past. The soldiers were particularly interested in figuring out what the notes said, but I just said I had found them with the Bible. Not telling the whole truth had become my natural response to questions where a wrong answer could mean death. It bothered me that I lacked the courage and conviction to tell the whole truth, but I'd studied the ways Jesus used to deflect the tough questions that he was confronted with. In spite of my protest to respect my citizens' rights, I was handcuffed and hurried from my apartment. Miss Sussex stood in her door, viewing the entire procedure with an obvious measure of triumphant satisfaction. Outside, I was put in the armoured conveyance vehicle and taken to a dark, ominous-looking building. My life, as an ordinary citizen, was over. I had become a public figure and officially declared an enemy of the state. These men were special forces— not the ordinary soldier types. They were hand-picked and trained in dealing with malignant manifestations such as I was betrayed as being. Dissenters were treated like open infectious sores on the body of civilization. 
Meeting together in groups of more than six was considered subversive and illegal unless we had a permit, which was seldom granted, and only for special occasions like weddings or funerals, not for any kind of gathering of people with like beliefs. They seem to have taken their rules about public gatherings right out of the guidebooks of dictators and tyrants of the past. And as in the past, women and children had become the watchdogs for the regime, reporting everything suspicious they saw to the local constabulary in return for extra food credits, or SOLs. In the beginning, we had formed our underground church and worship by using our phones and a kind of text coding system involving mainly acronyms and substitute words. However, it had become increasingly difficult to communicate this way since the government had begun monitoring all phone calls and messages. Nightlight. You're listening to an international edition of Nightlight, shining God's love light to the world. Hello? Hello. Good to hear you, Simon. Yes, good to hear you too. Nightlight's interview of the week. Alan, welcome back to Nightlight. This is your third time on the show and your third book. We just listened to one of the chapters and I hope we have time to play another before the end of the program. Let me ask you, Alan, how would you say this book differs from Journey to Tricon and Gragau? Well, I, I think the, the main thing is, is, is where, it ta- where they happen, the location. In the other two books... The location is heaven and hell, but in this one, it's, it's, he's back on earth. Alan, in your previous two books, you found yourself transformed into a youth called Travis as you went on those amazing spiritual journeys, first to heaven, then to hell. Are you the same character in youth camp? Well, I, I think of it as the same character in my mind, but... I think there's enough similarity or something about them that we wanted to put them as a package, like three books for giving people a, three different experiences in worlds mm-hmm. not necessarily that they're not familiar with. Right. But uh, anyway, I, I hope that they enjoy it. In this one, I f- was focusing on the elderly, since I don't feel they get enough hype in a lot of things I <laughs> I let the old man be it but I do have him changed miraculously so anyway it's uh, kind of a when the rubber hits the, hits the road or something it's the old man discovering that it's not too bad right to be old and except when you're in the antichrist <laughs> they make it a little difficult for him I like this way of teaching uh huh Especially this kind of thing, like the end time, is so much stuff about it in the Bible, and you can root it out here and there yes. and everywhere. But it's it's nice if it's kind of packaged for people and in a form that they can relate to, right? Especially in a story form. I guess, Alan, you might call this book a work of prophetic fiction. Uh, We have historical fiction, which is a fictional story based around real historical events. And Youth Camp is also a fictional story, but based around real future events as prophesied in the Bible. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a fantastic read. It was youthful, exciting. I read it to my 8 and 12-year-olds for our morning devotions, and they were on the edge of their seats, eagerly waiting every day for the next installment. Alan, who was your target audience? Did you have an age group in mind when you were writing this story? Well, I was thinking of older people, seniors, but it's nice to hear that younger people have heard it and enjoyed it. Okay, well, let's talk about the book itself. Your story is based around actual end-time prophecy, but do you think there'll actually be such thing as youth camps or sweepers and so on? What was the balance in your book between fact and fiction? Well, I like to throw in those little sci-fi things, and it makes it interesting for younger people too. Yes, like uh, the the cop cams everywhere, and right. I also base a lot on the news that I hear, 
for example, I heard the other day uh, the guy that's making these uh, these uh, electric cars here is now trying to develop a, a chip that goes into your head, and Gosh. he hopes to make a fortune at that. Signs of the times. Alan, we've lived our whole lives looking towards the day when all this technology would exist, and now it's here. I mean, just 35 years ago, we didn't even know exactly what a computer was or could do, let alone the internet, which has only been around for the last 20 years or so, and then there's social media, Facebook, all of that, what, around 10 years old? I mean, technology is moving so fast, and I don't think young people, I know it's certainly true of my own younger children have any idea just how new this all is. Certainly now all the technology exists for the mark of the beast, the 666 cashless society. It can all become a reality. Alan, looking at the world as it is today in 2017, with the rapid intensification of the signs of the times that Jesus said we should look out for, that would show that his second coming is near. How close in your bones do you personally feel that we are to that great day? Well, I don't know whether I'll see it since I'm turning 70 in April, <laughs> this being April, uh, 71. Wow. So I'm probably counting my days, how many days I have left. But uh, Me too. I think the internet will play a great part in the Antichrist when he, I think he'll become what they say viral, kind of like this guy uh, in the States. <laughs> he just says a few things on the word and everybody around the world knows what he's doing. It's just incredible the speed with which so many people are uh, uh, taken in. So I feel that he'll, he'll partly be ushered to power with probably the internet or some social media thing. Right. Some say they are, it's already come. Everything is done already. But I don't think so. And the pick, people they pick, are, I, the Pope, for example, they're really <laughs> nailing him. Uh, the religious, I guess, religious people in the States are having a good target practice on him saying he's the Antichrist and everything. Uh huh. But I don't think they they really believe it yet. I don't think their choices are necessarily the right ones. It's probably because just reading it, as you say, you get a feeling for you know, how much time we have left and you look at these inventions around and the way people are living and the cell phones and everything, smartphones, they're just so uh, changing the social fabric, the way people communicate and everything. I think like the Antichrist has to set up his props, you know, so that he can be the big, big god of this world. Right. So I wanted to show people that that it was it's entirely possible even now to fulfill all of the little requirements that he'll have to be in order to be God. Yes. It's kind of like uh, some of these games. You set up a certain kind of matrix to pass through. And his matrix is nearly complete. Yes. But uh, just having the parts and pieces all together for it to happen is one thing. But I think he's going to have a challenge because he doesn't like to he doesn't like to do anything that looks like it's going to go God's way. I think he'll have some. There'll be some surprises, definitely. Uh huh. I've heard all kinds of theories of what the surprises could be. Some say that the the aliens from other planets or from this planet, aliens, he'll use that. So I don't know what kind of curveballs he's going to have to throw at us. But either way, it says the whole world will kind of go after him, which is uh, what we're looking forward to. It wouldn't take much. It just seems like everything, anything coming off the Internet or mass media, they really snap it up. Yes. In order to be in order to be the god of this world, you have to have some some solid backing and support. And mm-hmm. he seems to have it with the young people. Right. He'll be able to amass armies and do different things. 
quickly. Mm. I think it will be kind of surprising to the world how quickly this person will come to power. But I, I, I'm looking mainly at the main, the key things that we know, like, say, uh, you brought out the, in your video, about the building of the temple in Jerusalem. Yes. What role it has to play? Well, it seems to be a significant role in the Bible, but they don't mention the difficulties, little obstacles that it seems to get through those and has a little covenant signed and everybody's peace and safety. And it brings out a few of his tactics. For example, the people are so into debt now with they buy cars and houses. Houses now here are going for not hundreds of thousands, but into the millions now. Just an ordinary house with slapped together with this press board and, and pretty soon there's a sold sign outside. But it's really, really a squeeze as if the whole world is being herded like cattle into certain ways of thinking down certain roads and, and everyone has to be so-so. And they wouldn't think of refusing such a good thing as the having internet in your head or something. Anyway, I wanted to get some kind of message out there, especially for people who are techno-gung-ho. <laughs> Something to impart He's breaking down the barriers To reflect his 
shackles on for me. And that's one of my favorite songs from Vass Myers, warning about the insidious and subtle ways the Antichrist is going to creep onto the scene and then rise to world power. Alan, the action in your book, Youth Camp, takes place obviously towards the end of the Antichrist's seven-year reign. For those listening who are not familiar with end-time Bible prophecy, maybe you could talk about some of the signs of the times that will be a clear indicator where we are now in relation to the end of the world. Well, of course, it's not the end of the world, but the beginning of the only true one world order, which will be the reign of Jesus Christ. I would suppose the thing that I look for is things like the building of the temple and all that. It's mm-hmm. a definite sign, and specific things like that. A, v- a revealing of the Antichrist is going to be quite a, quite a worldwide event. But it may Mm -hmm. not be as people think or not. As I say, he always throws a curveball to throw you off the the track. If you think you've got him pegged like all these guys in the States, (laughs) I don't know what they're up to. Now they're uh, working Donald Trump, the last Trump. (laughs) A little pun from the Bible there. They're trying to work him into the, the Antichrist scene. Of course, Alan, they thought the same about Obama. I remember searching on Google for a picture of the Antichrist to go with one of my programs, and so many of the images there were of Obama, some with horns and 666 symbols and so on. Oh, I never saw those. (laughs) But anyway, the rise of the Antichrist would be definitely an event. Wars and rumors mm-hmm. of wars are too general. There, there are always wars and rumors of wars. Right, but he signs an international treaty or covenant, doesn't he, Alan, that signifies the beginning of the last 70 years? Yes, I think, I think that's another sign of the end. It's interesting that God gives so many signs of the end. It's nice that he, he provides a series of events like that. Yes. Seeing what a... Uh, what a star player he is in the end time. You have to give the AC some credit for being pivotal in that, in those end days. But one thing, he, he, he is a very nice personality, a nice, uh, he doesn't, it says he looks, uh, he looks fearsome and things, so he, he isn't very pretty, I guess, but he sure uh, shakes him up. Uh, one thing I think he's very clever with is that he he seems to be having little wars going on and he takes over the country and land. Right. And one thing I noticed that he did in the Bible says he, he, any money or things gathered in these wars, he divides it among the people. He gives it to the people. Uh-huh. Well, who doesn't go for free stuff from the, with all these mortgages and things? <laughs> Most of my neighbors are millions of dollars in debt. Wow. Who wouldn't go for a nice house with a swimming pool? For I think that's wise. Like Castro did the same thing when he, in Cuba. Right. He canceled all the people's debts. And they got to live in their house or that they were living in. They got it free. There was their house then. He does some of these, these things. The Antichrist. Well, I can't imagine him doing it and being disliked, but uh, freeing people from debt will be not a very mentioned one, but it's definitely part of the plan. It's never completely dark when you're listening to Nightlight. Nightlight. Uh, I found it interesting, Alan, in your story, you portray Babylon the whore, as pictured in Revelation chapter 18, as an actual city rather than as symbolizing the worldwide worship of materialism, which of course is headed up by the USA, which is a more common interpretation. Why is this? It seems, they do say in, the, in, the, in, eight, in chapter 18 that it is a city, and they keep saying it is a city, and, and in, in her is the, you know, the blood of all kinds of blood. <laughs> Seeing how many references to to a, a city, I don't, uh, you know, slant it 
particularly against any city in the world. It must be one of the principal marketing cities, you know, like New York or something. <laughs> yes. But I found it particularly interesting that that so much blood is found in 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 the city. So much that it's it seemed to be a oh a standard thing. Christians obviously had become on the off side, not not on this side. Yes. With all the wars going on and things, it's killing and death, and people will be treated like, not treated with respect or anything, more like mm. just uh, garbage. Gosh. And then to say that the, this city has so much blood in it, it sounded like a central execution zone. And we haven't seen it yet, but you will be hated of all nations. It's again this propaganda thing. Yes. To get people to hate Christians. They must have quite a quite a spiel. Of course, they say he blasphemes God and everything about God. He's he's running him down on the internet. Uh huh. I say he's doing it, <laughs> or where? Well, I don't think he can work in a vacuum. Right. Especially when all these things are available, he'll go to them if they think young people are going to ISIS now just because they're being won to the excitement of belonging to a, a cutting edge <laughs> cult. Well, they'll, they'll be on the cutting edge all right. Once the tolerance level of society goes down to the almost zero point, people are killed. The reason I picked beheading, because it, it was so much like the French Revolution or some of those and uh, it's such a common thing to, for to send out. And of course, it's also prophesied in the book of Revelation that there's going to be a lot of beheading of Christians going on. And that's just started and become common over the past few years with ISIS. Yeah, I feel that it's going to be so common. Practically everyone will be rounded up and we're Christians or keeping the Bible. Why would anyone want to do away with Christians or their Bible? Well, because I think if you had a book that was telling your all the things you're about to do or going to do, and it's it's like he's going to need some other other approach rather than say I'm the Antichrist and I these are my plans. I'm going to try to kill the Christians all I can and. I don't think it'll be that transparent. Right. And that to say anything against this guy will be almost like blasphemy in itself. Blasphemy. How could you, how could you, being a Christian, speak against this fellow who's brought peace in, in a, between the Arabs and, and the Israelis in the, in, the, in the Middle East there? And how could you be against this guy who has finally taken on these uh, world economic figures like head of World Bank and things. And he's doing all this good, giving all this money away. What a nice guy. <laughs> It'll be like that, I think. And if you speak against him and that, well, he'll have set his negative propaganda machine up so that anybody that acts a certain way, talks a, way, a certain way, does certain things, probably he'll coin some term for terrorist is one term they use right. I don't know, he'll use whatever is popular probably uh -huh. <laughs> in order to kind of understand the man you have to kind of think, try to think like him what would I do if I was about to gain, a, gain the whole world or want to take over the whole world Right. and I had these, uh, had these things working for me I kind of see these two Antichrist guys, the figure, the the false prophet, and the Antichrist himself. There's, I think, the Antichrist will be such a mixture of people, a mixture of personalities, a mind. But to mm. reduce society to a point where they see Christians as the enemy, something to be hated and rejected, and don't make a big fuss if you see a bunch of them beheaded or something. I think it has a long way to go for that. 
because some of these changes, the mindset of the people, do take time and do take propaganda. Alan, I'm just thinking that one reason why Christians at this time are so hated and are being martyred and beheaded is because according to Revelation chapter 11, while some are finding refuge in the wilderness, others, like the two witnesses in Revelation chapter 11, are doing incredible miracles and demonstrations of the power of God and actually tormenting the wicked people of the earth with the judgments and plagues that they're able to call down from heaven. And in your book, you as the main character, you also received amazing powers during the last part of the book when you escaped with a bunch of prisoners into the wilderness. That's something very positive that I got from your book, a reminder of the awesome power that the Lord's going to manifest on earth through his children during the very last dark days. Yes. Some of those miracles are so like X Factor or X like nowadays they're making movies of every all these guys who can s- send fire out from I included them into a part of the scene in a big giant TV in, in Babylon the whole audience sees them they're uh, and they got them cornered and this is going to be it but they uh, burn their way out <laughs> sort of thing so uh, yes Nonetheless, it's going to be, be uh, troublesome times. And uh, I wanted to uh, get people the idea, if they didn't know anything about about what times are ahead, it's not going to be la-la land all the way. You'll have to know, <laughs> one, one way or another, that you're for God. Or... It was granted to the beast to make war it was granted to the beast to make war with the same. But the people who know their God shall be strong. But the people who know their God shall be strong. And do great exploits and do The people who know that God shall be strong 
David know their God shall be strong and do exploits. The words to that song directly quoted from the prophet Daniel. Of course, Alan, in the story, you'd been preparing yourself spiritually to stand strong during the last days. You'd been praying, memorizing, studying your secretly kept Bible. So God was then able to use you as a teacher and a leader during those days and manifest his power through you. If you've just been a nominal go-to-church-once-a-week sleepy Christian, you could have ended up being taken away by the sweepers in your story. Yes, I was thinking of the sweepers as uh, I don't know what gave me the idea but I just thought of all the plagues and things that are, that are going to happen where death is becoming so common in society that people are just it's like bring out your dead of the old days the cart goes by and they bring out their dead but it's so common I also take a swing at uh, pets the amount of wealth and attention that's on pets here and I imply that they have you know laws more strict for pets than for humans. Alan I want to leave time to read at least one more chapter or excerpt from towards the end of your book but is there anything else you'd like to say about youth camp? Why would you say this is a read that's not to be missed? Well I hope it makes them more aware of the news they're listening to and when they hear uh, debates and on euthanasia it isn't just another little topic to hear, but that it's something they, that means a lot to someone. It was hard uh, picking the name youth and youth camp. It sounds like a youthful thing and sounds like some little kids getting together. It's anything but. Right. And I do believe that there is going to be a time of sweeping up when people are not as valued as, as people. They're just more burdens that need to be dealt with. Uh huh. So when we get to the point, as we all are progressing in our age, yes, and are more and more a burden to society, notice these things happening. I think it'll t- there'll be a time when you actually death on demand is going to be a common experience. That many countries are have euthanasia in their in their laws and things are allowed to. In Canada now, we're just, he's talking about making marijuana uh, casual. So, uh, I don't know, just to be aware of things. It'll seep in in insipidly, it'll just, people will gradually accept it, and then it'll speed up Uh the amount of things you're expected to take in and swallow. Hmm. It'll be hard to say when you kick over the, the crucial point, when you go from being a nice guy to being an antichrist. Uh-huh. But we've seen it happen. We've had so many examples in Hitler and everything. After a while, nothing will surprise us or move us or shock us anymore. We've seen it all and oh, that's just another bunch of Christians. So anyway, I hope it's a anti-anti-propaganda. <laughs> All right, well, let's read one more chapter from Youth Camp. There's 35 chapters in all, and this is chapter 33, titled Babylon. Like a candle in the night, it's nightlight. Babylon. The Beast's Great Central City. Many of us who had studied God's word about the end time called it Babylon the Whore, One Bible translation called it the notorious prostitute because of the evil that was done there and the amount of international trade going on there. The city had taken on the persona of a fallen woman so that we actually thought of it as a person who rode on the back of the beast. There was incredible corruption and blasphemy was rampant there because the whole city was given over to worshipping the beast and his god of forces. We landed near a large stadium and were herded into what appeared to be common cattle pens. It was almost a superstitious ritual with the beastly government that they must make blood sacrifices to the god of forces in order to keep the plagues that were happening elsewhere from happening here. He staged so many public executions here 
that he had built special facilities just to show the world. These public executions had become a prime attraction for visitors to the city, and all you needed to be a spectator was the mark of the beast in your hand or in your forehead. It seemed that the city was drunk with the blood of saints and martyrs for Jesus, and anyone else who seemed to disagree with the beast's counterfeit representation of God. We who would not worship the beast were let in free. This was to be one of the biggest public executions, as many more Christians and rebels had been discovered, and it seemed like the whole city was jubilant and had turned out to watch. Several dignitaries from countries around the world were there too. It was every bit the spectre of a Roman arena, complete with Christians. It had become so common an occurrence, and people had become so desensitized to killing, that entire sections of the bleachers were occupied by eager schoolchildren. Will God rescue us? Someone asked me hopefully. I believe He will rescue us, but not in the way we might expect. I believe that this is to be our final. Witness on earth. Come out of her, my people, says the verse, that ye be not partakers of her sins, and that ye receive not of her plagues. Well, we were certainly obeying the Lord on that. Our captors were about to make sure we leave Babylon, albeit headless, so we had few worries about partaking of her sins. Babylon the Great is fallen, is fallen. And has become the habitation of devils, and the hold of every foul spirit, and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. I discreetly took out my secretly stashed copy of the Bible. It had been so confusing when they ordered us to strip and put on the colourful jumpsuits that the soldiers had not noticed when I concealed it under my arm. I shared a verse with our team. I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded. For their witness to Jesus, and for the word of God, and who had not worshipped the beast or his image, and had not received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. The Bible verses were so specific that they virtually gave us a play-by-play -play account of all that was happening or about to happen. God always has His perfect reasons for doing things, and for the way He does them. I continued, "I don't understand it, but we may be killed today to be a help to those who've already been killed here. This is what the Bible says: I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God, and for the testimony which they held, and they cried with a loud voice, saying, 'How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth?'" And white robes were given unto every one of them, and it was said unto them that they should rest for a little while, until we, their fellow servants also, and their brethren that should be killed as they were, should be fulfilled. But wouldn't it be better to let us live to be his witnesses? Thomas asked imploringly. God sometimes removes the righteous to save them from the evil to come. The righteous perishes, and no man layeth it to heart, and merciful men are taken away, none considering that the righteous is taken away from the evil to come. What more evil could there be? Thomas said, gesturing to the horrors going on all around us. This whole city is to be burned with fire. There's a verse about her destruction that says that the merchants who've gotten rich by trading with her shall stand away from her for fear and watch the smoke of her burning and cry, "Alas, alas! That great city was destroyed in one hour," and an angel will cast a great stone into the sea and say that with violence shall the great city Babylon be thrown down and be found no more at all. A huge cry. Went up from the stands. Apparently, they weren't killing us fast enough to please the crowd, so they decided to use multiple executioners. The fastest man at chopping off heads won the praises of the crowd. Thomas and I and the others were in line to be beheaded, and now the line was moving faster. 
I wanted Thomas to hear one more verse before his execution. By now, we were both crying. I hugged him closely. These are the last tears we will shed on earth, I told him, for God has promised us that he will wipe away every tear from our eyes, and there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. He will swallow up death for all time, and the Lord God will wipe tears away from all faces. My mind pondered a collection of other verses about the time we were living in. These are they which came out of great tribulation, and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. They are before the throne of God, and serve Him day and night. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The Lamb shall feed them, and shall lead them into living fountains of waters. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth, that they may rest from their labors, and their works do follow them. Then I saw the man of sin himself standing on the central podium, it was the vile one himself, the man of perdition. But what a roar of acknowledgement he received from the crowd. Interloper, the man-god himself, was very used to performing before crowds. He wore a long black silk cape with a broad red hem, which he flourished around him for extra effect. Carried away in the wind
Alan, thank you so much for taking your time to be with us on Nightlight and sharing all those very interesting insights into your latest book, Youth Camp, as well as The End Times. Alan, what's next after Youth Camp? Are you working on any other books? Yes, I was working on another one now, uh, David, the story of King David in the Bible. There's so much that he goes through and, and, you know, it's passed over quite quickly in just a verse or two and they move on to the next thousand. I'm trying to to portray it from from in himself, being a mass murderer and dictator in a sense, but I'm not putting him down in any way, but killing so many casually must have an effect on someone, so... Well, my mouth is already watering to record an audiobook of that one. Thanks so much, Alan. God bless. Good night. Good night. And if you email me at simonpeterson2008 at gmail.com, I'll send you an illustrated PDF copy of Youth Camp and a link to where you can download the audiobook from SoundCloud. That's it for now. God bless you. Bye-bye.